And now, it's the Florida Spectacular Podcast, hosted by Kathy Celestri. Find Kathy on Twitter and Instagram at Kathy Celestri, C-A-T-H-Y-S-A-L-U-S-T-R-I, on Facebook at Celestri Kathy, and visit her website, greatfloridaroadtrip.com. Now, discover a Florida you never knew existed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this edition of the Florida Spectacular. I'm your host, Kathy Celestri. Joining me this week is Stephanie Schuster, who is the publisher, owner, founder, guru of WDW Magazine. Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. I do have to correct you right off the bat because... Oh, that's many, always good. Many people don't know this. I'm actually not the founder of WW You're not? Magazine. Well, um, then get out. We don't want to talk to you. I know. I was there from the founding day, um, but it was actually um, Carl Trent, who was the original founder of the magazine. Uh, he started Dad's Guide to WDW back in 2008, and then I started writing for him in 2011. I was his first employee, and... Uh, in 2013, we started the magazine together. In 2015, I quit my day job to pursue blogging and content creation and magazine stuff full time. And we grew the company to where it is now, which is uh, 12 full time employees, over 50 freelancers all around the world. And um, last year, 2021, my husband and I bought the company from Carl so he could go off into the sunset and retire. So, Got to give credit where credit is due. I I stand corrected, and I actually am standing right now, so I stand corrected. And uh, sorry about that, but that's okay. uh, that's a little interesting uh, because I was well aware of the magazine before then. But mm-hmm. um, I feel like I don't know. You just seem like you've always been there, but you have a I have always been there. <laughs> definite love affair with uh, Disney, right? Yes, I love Disney so much. Would you like me to just tell you all the reasons why I well, no, love no, it let's and back up. <laughs> let's back up because I do have to um, rocket it back, ratchet it back a little bit because I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast who love mm-hmm. Florida might have different feelings about Disney. Um, sure. When I was in grad school, and I have a graduate degree in Florida studies, um, there were quite a few people who were like, "Well, Disney destroyed Florida." And we're not going to talk about that because I actually don't agree with that. I think sure. Disney's done a lot of good for Central Florida. And mm-hmm. um, I think that there would just be condos and shopping malls everywhere if Disney hadn't bought up the land. And of course, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm a big proponent of the Disney Wilderness Preserve that's managed yes. by the Nature Conservancy. So we're not going to talk about that. But what I do want to talk about is the Florida part of Disney World. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about... Um, Just some of the things you find really exciting about being able to write about Walt Disney World in in the lens of Florida, of course. In the lens of Florida. Well, I mean, I think something right off the bat is that I don't know if I would have ever gone to Florida if it weren't for Disney. Like Mickey was the first thing that drew me into going to Florida. But in my repeated trips, I've grown to love Florida so much more. Um, Going to the beach. I I have not explored all of Florida. I would like to explore even more. But like going to the beach, exploring some of those um, nature areas that you were discussing. You wrote a wonderful article for us about that, by the way. And um, I don't I think that I'm not the only one. I think a lot of people are maybe drawn in by the theme parks and then they realize that there's so much more to Florida. Even little things like at the Epcot 
pop festivals, they usually feature um, Florida produce at specific booths and they make a big deal about it and tell you all about like these strawberries are from Plant City or something along those lines. They have specific breweries. Whenever um, my husband and I are there, we always try to sample any of the beers or other spirits at the festivals that are specifically from Florida that we might not be able to get if we're not in the state. They have artisans from local companies coming in and presenting things at Disney Springs and at the Epcot festivals. And I absolutely love how they're bringing those little bits of Florida in. And I hope they continue to do that. Well, that's, that's a really um, salient point. And that's one of the things I really like that I think is not something a lot of people realize. I think of Disney as almost being like stealth Florida fans, because Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. If you go to uh, Epcot during any of their festivals and they Mm -hmm. have the, um, what they call the American pavilion open, you know, they have um, different pavilions open at different countries. Um, One of the greatest things they have is so much Florida produce, like the watermelon feta salad uh, mm-hmm. with the pickled red onions. Not that I'm getting very specific, but that's, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. I make it at home yeah. all summer long. But it's not just that when you go say to the the garden, um, the, the international, and I just blanked on the name of it. Epcot international flower, flower and garden, garden festival. festival. Yes. Uh, everything that you see walking around there is actually encouraging a lot of things that as Floridians, we need to be really engaged in like mm-hmm. uh, xeriscaping, which is not rocks and cactuses. It's yeah. the right plant with, that can survive on rainfall in your environment. Yeah. They talk a lot about native plants and pollinators and uh, not something you might associate with Mickey Mouse, but they talk a lot about um planting for wildlife, mm-hmm. using using native plants, using plants that don't have uh, unusual water requirements for your area. And it's really very much a sense of trying to teach people to coexist. And because Absolutely. everybody, I know everybody comes to Disney from all over the world, but as a Floridian, trust me, mm-hmm. what you see at those festivals are annual pass holders who live in the state. Yeah. They are reaching to Floridians. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really nice to see because you know, they have a lot of power. They have Mm -hmm. a lot of influencer power. And if someone, you know, if your neighbor tells you to plant natives, Mm -hmm. okay, well, your neighbor might be an asshole, but (laughs) if, if Mickey Mouse tells you that you should plant for the butterflies, then people oddly enough are more likely to do it. Absolutely. um, But also the local beers. It's actually kind of funny to, for me, because I I'm getting the sense you might not live in Florida, Stephanie. I live in uh, just outside of Toronto, actually. Oh, good Lord. Yes. So um, one of my points is about nature and conservation um, and just experiencing that Florida wildlife, even if I'm only down for a couple days and don't get to go explore maybe the Everglades or somewhere like that, even being somewhere like Animal Kingdom and getting getting all those like Floridian tropical plants and things, it's really nice for me to be able to get out and like go walking through nature somewhere that it's not just pine trees. Pine trees are great, but like I get enough of them at home. Well, we have a different type of pine tree down here, but I'll save yes. that lecture for another time. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's actually interesting. It's a really, uh, there's a really interesting point that you make is that, um, is that um, I notice it when we walk around, when we, when we walk around Disney and we see some of the theming they've done, for example, mm-hmm. some of the things they do to theme things like the South Pacific at the Polynesian mm-hmm. or a lot of times at um 
Animal Kingdom or Animal Kingdom Lodge or Jumbo House, mm-hmm. I look at some of those plants and I am by no means a plant expert, but I do mm-hmm. um, I do have a fairly natural landscape. And I look mm-hmm. at them and I'm like, well, those are just Florida plants. And what they're doing a lot is accenting. Yep. Accenting what is in Florida. It's just the way that they're positioning it. And they're certainly not all native. I know they're not all native, but it's really interesting. It's, it's very oh. local. And even somewhere like Pandora World of Avatar over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, they certainly have uh, created plants that are not like artificial plants that are meant to really represent right. Pandora. But the Imagineers went you're out of their me those way. Aren't real. <laughs> some of them, some of them are real, Kathy. But the the Imagineers went out of their way to figure out what plants that would grow well in Florida, whether they were native or not, um, would thrive in that atmosphere and kind of give that alien landscape. Um, I Obviously, we're focusing on Florida today, but I've been to most of the Disney parks throughout the world. And something on a recent trip to California I really noticed about Galaxy's Edge is the foliage in um, Disneyland is very different than the foli- foliage in Galaxy's Edge in Disney's Hollywood Studios. And I have to assume that that's based on what will grow better in those environments. Environments. It's a lot more tropical in Florida and then a lot more like cactusy desert based plants well, over in California. Issue. There's a yes. definite water issue in of California. Course. Um, so, what's interesting, Stephanie, when I was in college, I had a professor. He was wonderful, Dr. Jerry Smith. And one of his former students had gone to work at the Disney tree farm. Now, I don't even know mm-hmm. if they still have the tree farm, but she was working there and he took us on a field trip. And it was out off US 27 on what I would call the backside of Disney, which is now, of course, very populated. But mm-hmm. in the early 90s, it was not. And we went down a couple of back roads and we went through this thing. You wouldn't have known it was Disney. It was not themed. It was their tree farm. And she took us on a walking tour throughout mm-hmm. it. And what it was, it was the Florida scrub, which is um, pretty much high, well, well-drained, sandy soil, um, very, very few trees, a lot of underbrush. And she took us through this property and she was showing us not only how they worked with the landscaping at Disney mm-hmm. World, which, which is fascinating in and of itself, but she was showing this whole natural area where they had bobcat, they had scrub jay, they had all mm-hmm. these animals crossing through. And it was just a privately owned tract of land. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the things we hear a lot about in Florida is, well, Walt Disney bought up all this land mm-hmm. and he did it in secret. Well, if you go back through the records, it wasn't that secret. I mean, anybody yeah. with half a brain knew what was going on. If there was um, social media in those days, it would have been no well, secret at all. It was, even, it was even the it was even the names of some of the companies he used, mm-hmm. like the shell companies. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. It, it was not. Um, it was not high uh, security here. It was. It was. Like yeah. Things I can't remember some of the names, but it was stuff like MK mouse or something, you know, not exactly. But one of the things he did is because he said in, you know, this is a oft told story in Anaheim built right up to the front gates and he wanted Mm -hmm. a buffer. Yeah. And he has a nice, the Walt Disney company has a nice buffer around the property. And what people probably don't realize is that buffer is also home to a lot of endangered and threatened species. I mean, he, he essentially not because of this. I'm not even trying sure. to say that that Walt Disney was doing it because he cared about the um, the scrub jay or even knew about the scrub jay. Sure, it, it was it was an unintended consequence, and that's okay. I mean, good is good, right? So yep. he has this whole buffer, um, and the tree farm was a great example of that. Now, what I also thought was cool about the tree farm, I have no idea if this is still true, but uh, they used to have 
three plants for every mm-hmm. one plant, meaning that if there was a, I don't know, a hibiscus, which mm-hmm. is probably not a great example. I don't know if I've ever seen a hibiscus at Disney world, but if they had an hibiscus bush, they would have one on property on, mm-hmm. on stage, so to speak. And then they would have two others. Yep. So it was this, this huge thing. And if you think about that, um, probably a really great use of land as, yep. as far as what else I see, because I've, I've, you know, unlike you, I, I go to Disney way too often. Um, <laughs> I don't know um, if there, I could be there every day and I wouldn't say it's often enough. Well, you know, I have the annual passes and I like to go because mm-hmm. um, it, it's, there's enough bad crap in the world that mm-hmm. I just like going somewhere where it's everybody's job to make sure everybody has a good time. Yeah. But um, so I go there a lot and what I've watched is things grow up around it. And I used to yeah. live in Kissimmee in college. I actually worked at Disney in college, not as part of the college program, just as a part-time job while I was in school. Mm-hmm. And I've watched it change. And the more I watch it change, the more I think that, again, unintended consequences, Walt Disney World really did an unintentionally good thing by buying up these huge tracts of land yeah. and wanting that buffer. So I'm I'm obviously pro-Disney. Um, pretty sure I know where you fall down. Um, so what's it like running the magazine and living in Canada? I mean, you've got something that's, mm-hmm. I know you, the magazine has branched out into Disney cruise lines, Disneyland mm-hmm. resort, yep. but for years, the main thrust of it was the Walt Disney world resort. What's that like? Absolutely. Does it make and you want to move to Florida? Um, it does make me want to move to Florida quite a bit, actually. It's um, the, the main thrust is still Walt Disney World, and I think it always will be, even when we're exploring those other Disney properties. The fact of the matter is Disney World is way bigger than all those other properties. It has a, a lot more to offer. Um, so there's a lot more for us to talk about and explore there. Um, you know, my husband and I are actually thinking about maybe not permanently locating because we have other uh, obligations and responsibilities up here about possibly getting um, a condo or something just outside of Disney so we can be there even more often. We try to get down about every two months or so, but I would love to have a space where I could go down for four or six weeks at a time, come come back to Canada, you know, winter in Florida, that would be great. So I don't have to deal with the Nobody's snow Nobody's ever here. done that before. <laughs> Never. We might be the <laughs> youngest people to ever do it though. You would be surprised. We have a lot of people who who winter in Florida who are not uh, retired. That's wonderful. Um, so it is um, sometimes it's a challenge because there are things that I might want to do. Lots of times we'll get invited to media events. And if they're big media events, like something like the opening of Galaxy's Edge or the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, where they're multi-day events, uh, we will definitely go down and be the people who attend those. But sometimes it's just like, oh, come for a restaurant opening or come for um, a three-hour preview of what's going to happen at one of the Epcot festivals. Those are really fun. And if we're down there anyway, we will attend, but it's a lot of travel and a lot of expense for us to go down for a very small event. So we'll send one of our local reporters in those cases, but I would love to be free to send me anytime. I will keep you in mind, Kathy, for sure. Um, so, you know, that is, that is a little bit of a struggle um, because we are like, you know, eight hours, 10 hours, 16 hours out of every single day, we're talking Disney, we're researching Disney, we're, we're doing Disney all the time. It doesn't really feel that different for me. Um, I don't think I'd be doing anything different if I was, if I was sitting in winter garden or something, typing and writing the blogs and editing the magazine or doing whatever, whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, I think that I could do that from anywhere 
in the world just as well as I'm doing it now. The only difference is if I was local, I could pop into the park. Oh, no, we don't have a photo of this specific Dole Whip. I'll go get it. But again, that's why we have reporters. I think that um, the biggest challenge. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to edit edit from like Doc Lindsay's hangar bar, or Trader Sam's. You wouldn't just um, sit there. With I your would. You know what? And- I would love that, but our editors, Rain and Tim, have now surpassed me. Um, I <laughs> I used to be the editor. They are much more talented. I actually I've been surpassed by everybody on our team for a long time. It was just Carl and me, and we did everything ourselves and we had no other help. And we've done a wonderful job, I think, of staffing up our team. Um, Tatiana, who's our communications director, she knows so much more about social media than I do. So when I have to do something on social, I'm like, Tatiana, what exactly do you want? I'll do I'll do exactly what you assigned me to do. If Tim or Rain have uh, an article that I need to write, they are going to tell me exactly what they want out of that. And I- I'm working to serve them in those cases. So um no, no editing at Jock Lindsay's for me. Maybe posting some Instagram stories though. Um, if, if Tatiana lets you do it. And I do agree. She's really great. And I love working yes. with Rain and Tim. Rain is how I started writing for y'all. Yes, uh, I because know. I, she, uh, the city I live in, Gulfport, I don't mm-hmm. know if she lives here or lives adjacent to it or what, but um, she, she and I started talking and um was just like, oh, hey, what, what, what is your full-time job? And yeah, oh, hey, do you need any writers? That sounds like a great gig. And yeah. I know she and Tim are super passionate. And, um, you know, I was very surprised to find out anybody didn't live in Florida because it definitely feels very Florida forward. Yeah. Um, what, what do you do other when you come down here? Do you do you go off property? Do you ever have chances to venture off or is it all just work, work, work for you? Um, it is kind of a, a hybrid of work and pleasure. The last couple of years, obviously, with the pandemic, if we have been going down, um, it has been more for like very specific work related things. Um, but in the past, we, you know, we've loved to be able to go out and explore um like the Cocoa Beach area, it's especially convenient if you're going on a Disney cruise, go there for a day or two before and explore that area. Um, I have spent some time exploring other theme parks in Orlando as well. Um, I really want to get more into, especially immediately around Disney. I've been reading a lot these last couple of years while I've been cooped up at home, but I've been reading a lot about the things that are happening um, in Winter Garden and Windermere and Celebration, kind of those communities immediately around Disney that I like to explore a lot more. Um, I've been down to Tampa. My husband spent some time in Miami prior to meeting me. So I think if we were able to move down there for part of the year, we'd be able to explore a lot more. We have friends who absolutely raved about going, um, kayaking. Um, I don't even remember where, but like somewhere where there anywhere. Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere in Florida, some, they had like a clear kayak and they, they, it was full of nature and plants and animals. And, uh, that just sounds like really nice to me. And I need to make more of an effort when we, when we go down to carve out some, some personal vacation time where I'm off the clock and I can do those things. Well, there's, there's definitely a lot. I know close to, uh, the property, there's a lot of bioluminescent kayaking, which might yes. be what your friends did with the clear yeah. kayaks where you can kayak. And if there's bioluminescence, you can see it. There's definitely a lot to do there. If you have time to venture mm-hmm. next time, you definitely need to make time to uh, get into the Ocala National Forest because, um, and I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. Walt Disney's parents were the first marriage in Lake County. Wow. They were the first recorded marriage in Lake County and their hometown is now it's gone. It's not their hometown because they had moved 
um, their parents had moved them down here. And um, it's now part of the Ocala National Forest. And then there's um, Akron, A-K-R-O-N, mm-hmm. and then another town. So that's um, maybe an hour away. And Perfect. there's nothing there. I mean, there's nothing that says here's the site of whatever. But it is kind of an interesting bit of Florida history. We always assume that... Um, Disney came down here and just sort of said, well, this is a great place to exploit. But uh, in reality, what I suspect happened, and I started thinking mm-hmm. about this a lot when the Imagineers redesigned Disney Springs, is mm-hmm. that um, Disney's parents um, were married here. They met mm-hmm. here. They grew up here. And then um, you know, Disney's dad kind of moved all over. It wasn't yeah. just Missouri. It was all over. But from what I understand, um, his aunt still stayed in the area and he and Roy used to spend summers down here. And I just remember when they built Disney Springs, all mm-hmm. I kept thinking is, man, this is like what a little boy remembers. Uh, and of yeah. course, you know, Walt Disney wasn't alive to see Disney Springs built, sure. but I've always felt like there was a really strong tie to what they were trying to recreate. Yeah. And, and what that. it must've been like as a child, Walt and Roy Disney to, to play in Springs in Florida and things like that. That's oh, that that that's very like tied to my nostalgia for Disney. So like if if that is true, they're thinking about their childhood memories and then they're building their business around those childhood memories by building up Walt Disney World. The reason that I got into writing and creating content and building out this magazine was because I loved going to Disney as a kid. Um, We usually went to Disneyland because I grew up in Vancouver on the West Coast, so it was much closer. But we did go to Disney World from time to time. And my family, like we didn't have that much money, but we would save up for like two, three, four years at a time. And then that would be our vacation. And it really instilled in me that... um, that drive, you work really hard for something that you really want, something that's magical. And then you get that treat of getting to go on vacation. And uh, not only was Disney this magical place, you walk in, you see the castle, there's princesses everywhere. But also for me, it was those family, it was that family connection time and family ties. Because back in the 90s, there, you know, people weren't walking around with iPhones. So my dad worked a lot. And uh, when we would go to the parks, you're just standing in line. There's nothing to do. People weren't bringing like video games for their kids to play in line or anything. You just stood there and talked. So for a week or two, every three or four years, I would get to have my dad's full undivided attention, my brother and I, and we'd like talk to him and like get to know things. And like my mom was a stay at home mom. So she, she knew more of what was going on with us. Um, but it was like a very special time for my family and it always stuck with me. And when I met my husband, we were in university and I was like, I need to take you to Disney. Like you need to understand this part about me. Um, and it's not just, and he's like, Oh, Disney commercialism, whatever. And I was like, yes, okay. It's commercialism, but like, relax, you'll get a churro. You'll be fine. You'll be happy with your treat, but you need to understand this. You'll get a churro. You'll be fine. I want that on a t-shirt. But it it was very much like, this is a core memories of me and really infused who I am as a person, not only because of the IP and the storytelling and all of that, but it's that escape from the everyday. It's that way that you can connect with your, with your family. Um, my extended family also loves Disney and occasionally we would do big family trips out there. And I remember, uh, very early on in my relationship with my husband, he was, um, at our, at our house. It was some like summer vacation or something. We went home to spend some time with my family 
and my my aunts and my uncles and my godparents, my cousins, like everybody's over. And somebody just said something and the whole room burst out into singing Tiki Room. And Danny is just looking at me like, what am I getting into? And <laughs> he really had no idea because now, uh, now he's our creative director <laughs> and he's totally into it. So um, it's so nice that people can come to come to Disney later in life, or they can come to it very early in life and still develop different kinds of um, like very personal connections with the brand. Oh, I get that. I get that. I actually um, I have a lot of memories as a kid, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, more as an adult. You know, it, it's just yeah. uh, my, my my husband was also not a huge fan because he had been a million years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of just forced him to go. And now it's just a very easy place to go. We go for entertainment, the food. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's days we go out there, we don't ride anything. I don't really need to ride the rides. Yep. I just go out there. But it's uh, it's just a nice little different type of oasis. And I love your point about um, not having to ride all the rides, but also about it being this nice, like relaxing escape. Because for me, that's what Disney is. I also really love traveling the world. I love going to Europe and going to Asia. I have big plans to go to to, uh, South America soon. But um, all of those bigger world travels, they can be really stressful. You're navigating new, and it's exciting too. Like you're navigating these new unknown parts. You have language barriers, or you're not really sure how something works culturally. And you're trying to figure out where the trains go and you can't read the signs. Um, And like, it's wonderful. But when I go to Disney, I'm like, I know what's going on here. It's familiar. It's comfortable. I can just relax and enjoy myself. And I don't have to plan because I've been enough times. I don't have to plan everything. I don't have to go on every ride every time. I can just soak in the atmosphere here and feel that escape. That's uh, probably pretty accurate. That's how I feel about mostly all of Florida, but I get yep. that it is a definitely a more of a, a little special thing when you're at uh, the quote unquote happiest place on earth, which I can't just, dis- I can't disagree yeah. with. Um, we are about out of time. This has gone by like mad. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us. And Thank you so much for your... having me. No, it's been great. It's always wonderful to have people from different parts of Florida. I think sometimes we get caught up on thinking that we only want to talk about real Florida in, Mm -hmm. in terms of what's great. Um, And uh, you know, you have to remember that Florida is different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm glad that you would come and share your Florida with us. So thank you. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. My, my name's Kathy Celestri. I've been your host. Our guest this week on the Florida Um, spectacular has been Stephanie Schuster. We'll see you next time. um,